Hey, this is Paul Stanley. And this is Gene Simmons from KISS. And you're listening to the original KISS Army member, Spud Goodman. How much am I getting paid for this? Nothing? Then what the f*** am I doing here? All right, whatever. Get me the f*** out of here. You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andarola. I am Spud Goodman. <laughs> the Spud Man. <sighs> I'm laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> Welcome to my little podcast, you know, where we will take a comprehensive look back at especially, at an especially, you know, interesting radio show episode. Yeah, on this one, we're going to take apart number 107, the My Little Pony episode, uh, which aired on 4-17-2016. It featured actor Will Forte, actress and talk show host Aisha Tyler, actor and world champion wrestling expert and awesome stand-up comedian Judah Friedlander, along with our musical guest, the incomparable Trees and Timber. Yeah, this was this was a really good one on a variety of levels. And and let's just say it gave me, Spud Goodman, great personal pleasure. You know, I'll get to get to that in a bit. Right now, let me introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give us a quick sample of your skill set, maybe a basic chortle. Hmm, here you go. Oh, thank you. So, you know that one will do for now. But do try to raise your enthusiasm as we get further into this podcast episode. Oh, hey, I, I realize it. we aren't yeah. doing the old radio show now, and the expectations and pressures not the same. But I would still appreciate you know some basic laughing support when needed. You know when oh, I when I say something, no, hey, listen when I when I say something that that kind of doesn't land well or, or wasn't that witty, a well-placed laugh can really bail out a floundering talk <laughs> show host. And I, yes, I'm be honest. I have floundered at times. You know, I'm revealing secrets here, but at this point in my career, I don't care. Oh, as I'm still a volunteer designated laugher, Spud, you probably should just be happy I showed up to do this thing at all. Yeah, okay, point taken. And now I need to introduce uh, our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, say something that, that won't put everyone to sleep. You know, I got to get this thing cranked up and going, so just make, uh, make it really brief. Okay, uh, well, okay, I, I want to say that it's great to be on the air and be able to connect with our listeners. As hey, excuse I, me, we're, we're, we're not on the air anymore, dude. This oh, is a podcast. Right. It's a different beast. People download our episodes. Do I miss being on the air? Yeah, B but it is what it is these days, you know? Right. Okay. okay. Uh, well, then I will say hello to our downloaders then, as I have. And now so I much... have to acknowledge our show's intern chance. Well, Go ahead and entertain our listeners, as from what you said in our last staff meeting, you seem to feel you are so captivating. And why are we even still doing staff meetings for a dinky podcast? I don't know, okay? Our executive producer just said we had to be there. Why don't you ask her? Um, do you have anything to say before we get going here? Just that I finished third in a local hacky sack tournament over the weekend. I killed it. 
do they even have hacky sack tournaments? I've never heard of them. And, and third place is not exactly killing it. The last I heard, the bronze medal, you know, never got any Olympic athlete their face on a Wheaties box. Yes, there are tournaments. There's actually a world championship footbag competition held each year. Yeah, okay, good to know. Can I move on to, to more important stuff? Like, I have to say now that this particular episode that we are examining, the My Little Pony episode, well, it, it's it's my payback for being ridiculed on a recent podcast, the one where I was accused of being a hoarder, you know, from for my personal collection of things that mean a lot to me, Spud Goodman. Uh, I didn't appreciate being labeled with that H word back then, you know, with the radio show when it first aired. And I definitely didn't enjoy being tagged as a freak or something, you know, on the podcast later, just because I chose, you know, choose, excuse me, to collect a few items. I, I feel the things that I collect add real value to my journey through life. And, and now I can say to you, Gerald, you are way weirder than me as your collection of, uh, well, uh, toy ponies. Sick. Oh, I knew sometime soon you would be picking that radio show episode to get back at me for voicing my concern about your out-of-control habit of collecting worthless items. Worthless? You, yeah, you can't compare my longtime collection of My Little Pony toys to your issues. There is a plan and logic behind my behavior. Well... I wasn't around when this episode aired, but I was listening at home, Gerald. I have to say, grown men collecting little toy ponies, ones that little girls have loved over the years, well, it certainly can be described as aberrant behavior. What, you know, aberrant behavior? Mrs. Jarvitz, why would you even say something like that? I still have my collection of toy soldiers from when I was a little kid, but I don't play with them now, Gerald. That's freaky stuff. No, I, I do not play with the ponies. <laughs> Why don't we just play the opening segment of that episode and let the backstory evolve naturally? Uh, Dave hit it. Anyway, I, well, this, this is what I want to talk about. I got an email from someone who, who's a good friend of yours. Of mine? Now, we're going to keep his name out of this, but I thought discussing what he told me about you would be interesting to our listeners. About me? Is, is, this, is this about me getting that attendance award at my Kiwanis Club last week? i, I got to tell you, I'm pretty proud of it. I've not missed a meeting in over three well, years. Uh, I, they gave me a really nice plaque. Oh, this is not about an attendance record at, uh, at your Kiwanis Club. This is way more oh. interesting. And I thought, <laughs> you know, bringing it up live on the air would make for great radio. I mean, yeah, maybe at your expense, but that's what temporary co-hosts <laughs> are for, right? Well, t temporary permanent. Uh, but, but what are you referring to here? Oh, is this going to gross me out? I'm, I'm not a prude, for God's sake, but there are a few things that even a juggalo like me would rather not hear or visualize. Yeah, hard to believe any juggalo worth their salt would gag at the mention of something from one's own kink vault. Gina Love is blind, but whatever it is, it's sure not Gerald's fault. Uh, sorry, Gina. Uh, 
I apologize in advance about this. Okay, well, just don't bring up any granny porn, okay? Right. No, this is about something else, and uh, Gerald, a buddy of yours, I got to tell you this, he emailed me a couple days ago. I think he's sort of a friend of yours. Yeah. Anyway, he had heard from another friend of you both, and it was pretty interesting. Very interesting. How so? What what did he say? Uh, He had a... Okay, he mentioned you have an affection for something that is, how, how do I say this, just a little different. Oh, oh. are you, you going to bring up my shag carpet collection? There are all kinds of perversions. You know, it's not a secret that at my other place of employment, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum, really? that I do collect shag carpet samples. Right now, I might have the largest collection in this state. No, 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 I'm not talking about shag carpeting, but oh. I do need to write that one down, and I can bring it up on, on another, it's another occasion. No, what I heard is your affection for that My Little Pony TV show. <laughs> that was on a while back, I don't know. You never mentioned the show to me before, and I had no idea you had such strong uh, feelings about it. My My Little Pony... <laughs> Well, wow, My Little Pony? I love that show. I love My Little Pony. That's that's nice, Gina. So were you ever going to share this part of your life with us? Y- you know, everything is fair game with all of us. Why the NSA treatment, you know, with this pony stuff? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of different, but hey, we all have our special interests, if you know what I mean. I, I just don't feel comfortable discussing this on the air, guys. Please respect Why my... Why would you listen. be ashamed of watching that TV show? I mean, I, I know it's directed at young girls, but so? Well, d- do you want to tell her about your other collection? Gerald, you have a My Little Pony figure collection? <laughs> I, I still have an Applejack and two Pinkie Pie figures in storage bin in uh, our basement. Hey, we can continue the discussion a little later. Right now, I need to play some music. All right, this guy. Okay, uh, first of all, I, I didn't then, and I, I, I don't now appreciate that pony sound effect that Dave plays when the topic of My Little Pony <laughs> is brought up. It's in bad taste, if you ask me. Well, no one asked you, okay? Well, if you plan to redredge all the abuse heaped on me with that radio show episode, then I, I might as well leave right now. Oh no! You not you cannot leave until this podcast is over. Those well, are the rules. So so before we get further into your uh, bizarre predilection, let's let's run the interview I did with actor Will Forte. Uh, you know when we did this, he was starring in that series, The Last Man on Earth. I think it was on Fox. Um, it was pretty good, and and I am a fan of Will's work on Saturday Night Live too. I mean this this guy's got skills. Uh, Dave, roll the segment. All right, please say hello to actor, writer, producer, Will Forte. Hey, we appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So your current series on Fox, The Last Man on Earth, airs each Sunday night, 9.30, 8.30 Central, and I'm going to toss in my two cents and say it's one of the funniest comedies on TV. Love the show, but as a professional talk show host, I'm going to pretend that I'm objective here, okay? Okay, okay. So you're... you're you don't cur- have to. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'll, just, I'll pretend that I am, okay? So your character, Tandy, often experiences you know, difficulty interacting with others as he's somewhat of a you know, self-obsessed... Uh, fill in the blank, whatever. But is there a role model that you and fellow producers Phil Miller and Chris Lord drew from in creating this character? And if he's famous, you can just use the initials here on the air. Oh, geez, uh, no. Actually, actually, that that helps me to not have to protect somebody's uh, thing because that no, it was it was really. If there's anybody, it's it's kind of me. I'm I'm uh, uh, probably the, the, this is definitely a heightened version of stuff I would do. But I I I feel like you know this is 
uh, uh, the character is is largely drawn from my idiosyncrasies, and and uh, um, and we we I'm certainly not the horrible person that uh, that that Phil is. Well, hey. I think Phil is a mixed bag. I shouldn't say he's a horrible person. He's yeah, what's horrible? Bag, what's horrible? Like, you know, everyone has weird impulses at times. But being human, being a good human and a good member of the community is, is you know, uh, holding back on those impulses, fighting them. You've always been a writer throughout your career, working on a number of sitcoms in addition to, of course, creating a number of your own sketches that aired on Saturday Night Live. So what's heavier lifting, acting or writing? Oh, man. Uh, I would say that... Uh, it, 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 definitely, the writing is is uh, the harder part of it. Um, not that acting isn't hard. Acting is really hard if you do something. If you do, <laughs> God, that's going to be the dumbest answer. Well, uh, just a heads up, by the way, th there are no stupid answers on the Spud Goodman show. I just want to throw that out. So, well, well, you know, when okay. you when you do other projects uh, like your new film coming out, Keanu, co-starring Key and Peele. Uh, do you have to like shave the beard because you know I, I, I get it it's it's a real beard correct I mean how long the hell did it take you to grow that thing? It's a real beard and it took it, it usually takes about five and a half months Dang. to grow to its full heft. That um, would take me six seven years. What what happened? It would take me like six seven years because I don't have as much testosterone as you have obviously. But yeah. Uh, don't say that about yourself. I'm sure you're you're full of testosterone. Okay. Right. Uh, the, uh, but it's it's you know it's it, it's uh, uh, it does it does uh, I I never thought that I could grow a beard like this. Really, if if you Pretty have impressive. you ever tried? No, nothing. A, a I mean, no. No. See, that thing is like I thought that I couldn't either. But but then I got in this situation where I just said, okay, well, what I'm going to do is just grow it out. And just not shave forever and see what what happens and uh, and this just kind of happened. I, I I would have thought that I would have had a very like uh, thin beard yes. with body in places, but but somehow it just filled in. Yeah, well, but, yeah, you should be very proud of that. That's what I want to say. Excuse me, Spud. I thought it would be neat to also ask Will if he ever yeah, ever what. But you know, everyone has weird here and there. How do you know I don't already plan to ask him whatever question you're suggesting here? Why don't you just wait and see if I in fact cover it? Have some faith in my interviewing skills. I've been doing this for a long, long time. Well, I just thought you might want another perspective. Yeah, look, if I wanted that, I would have an active, living, breathing co-host. Well, I prefer things the way they are. Just keep on being a stuffed animal and stay out of my way. Well, I'll try, but you're being very short-sighted in your usage of my skills. You know, two heads are better than one. In what area of life are two heads better. Uh, they would just get in the way. I mean, like putting on a bicycle helmet, going to the dentist, or even getting a haircut. Really? Why must you always take things literally? Uh, never mind. Just just get back to Will. Thank you very much. Hey, Will, I'm back. Yeah. Okay. L let's let's step much. let's step into the time tunnel here. You were working in the financial industry after graduating from UCLA. So how radical of a move was it to just up and quit to become a member of the legendary ground tr uh, comedy troupe, The Groundlings? Uh, did you get a lot of? Did you hit a lot with? Are you crazy, dude? I mean, how was that? It was it, it was really scary to tell my my family uh, just because I it, 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 in a weird way it felt like bragging like like oh I you know I think I'm funny enough to 
to give it a shot in comedy it just was hard for me to to say. That's what it felt like. And, and then when I told them, they were so great about it. They could not have been more supportive. And uh, and it was awesome. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it was hard to say, to say it at first. Pretty big risk. You, you, I don't know. You feel yeah. like a dirt, like, like a, you know, like you were assuming that you could make it. But it wasn't that at all. It was just like, oh God, I, I, I need to give this a try or else I'll always have that lingering thing in my head that that uh you know could i have done this well i'd say it worked out pretty darn well so all right let me hit you with the last question um it's been said you've had to deal with some ocd tendencies i know i feel the situation is a big help in my job as as a host like i always show up for work whether i want to or not it's just something i have to do each day and i'm pretty sure non-ocd people are much more prone to absenteeism has it helped your career uh, I, you know, I would certainly say that that uh, there are parts of this, uh, the parts of it, and, and you know, I, I, I know that there are, uh, you know, I'm, I have it pretty good on the OCD scale. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I definitely have, you know, my my weird OCD tendencies, but I can, you know, I know there, I think there are people who like can't leave the house because of it and stuff right. like that. Yeah, you show up on but the set. It, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it uh, it definitely helps when it comes to writing, because um, it's you know I will. I mean, it helps and hurts. I it 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 uh, you know I I won't I won't go until I think something is perfect. But as you know, nothing is ever perfect. So there's always something. But I need closure on it. So it's it's really tough for me to. And I'm I'm still learning how to get to a place where I can sign off on something that's close enough right um uh but but it but i think it does help in in uh making the the product uh closer to to being what i want it to be uh when we start shooting it um but it's it, you know it hurts in stuff like you know relationships and, and yes. stuff like that which sure is, does uh, yeah absolutely uh, important yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for sharing this. All right, well, I know you got to, like, go take meetings or something. You're a busy dude. So I want to remind everyone listening to tune in to The Last Man on Earth airing each Sunday night on Fox at 9.30, 8.30 Central because it's well worth their time. I want to thank you so much for calling in, man, all right? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, Mr. Will Forte. Will Forte is just a good guy, a really nice man. Yeah, you know, he did seem to be very personable. If I was ever the last man on earth, like for real, I wouldn't mind it that much. I mean, Dorothy, I would miss you a lot. Things wouldn't be the same in my life, but I think I'd be okay. As long as I had my video games and could play some hacky sack. You know, people adjust when they have to. Yeah, I don't think anyone would make a TV show about you being the last man on Earth uh, unless they wanted to make people suffering from insomnia watch you, you know, just right before they're going to bed or something. Well, babe, I know that you would be totally self-sufficient if anything would happen to me and you were all alone. You have great survival skills. Yeah, I do. I'd like to be able to call my mom if anything serious came up, though. That would be nice. Okay, well, right now we're going to play my interview and the live in-studio performance of our musical guest, Trees and Timber, Dave Rowlett. 
All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please welcome back to the show our musical guest, Trees and Timber. You know, I really don't need to, you know, introduce you. I mean, I don't know, or even you to introduce yourselves. But on the off chance, a listener out there, you know, does not remember uh, you guys from your many appearances. Uh, please toss out your legal name and uh, maybe your instrument that you're going to be playing tonight. My name is Joseph Baker, and I'm playing an electric guitar. <laughs> My name is Gwendolyn Rose Lewandowski, and I'm playing the electric bass guitar. Super. And that's Paul Rybicki in the back there, and he is playing the drum skins. Fine. Once again, a drummer with no microphone for vocals. Fine. All right, so uh, as you've been on this show so often, I'm now designating you guys as the house band here. You know, like our own tonight show's Roots or, or the Stay Human Band on Colbert. But of course, you know, we can't afford to pay a real house band, so help yourself to those day, you know, there's some day old hummus and some crackers over by the soundboard. Dinner. So, sorry about that. Sir. That's what I can do. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so let me ask what the band's uh, current position on expanding the United States to like 57 or 58 states, maybe like make Catal Catalina Island and Cali, the Bahamas, and possibly the Cayman Islands because we got so much money, you know, stashed over there as, as are some of the new states. What do you guys think? Well, we're planning on playing Purdy at some point okay all right all right for the uh, for those out of this uh, particular <laughs> hamlet um that people that's a, a rural area in the state mm. of washington so okay super um well what is trees and timbers favorite dr seuss book i am partial myself to horton's horton hatches the egg that, i dig that one still Ooh, you just took mine ah, uh, sorry about that uh, well, uh, I'm going to have to go with one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, because that Ooh, that call. one scared the hell out of me as a kid. <laughs> Gwendolyn? Um, I'd say the same. All right, super. All right. Well, what's the name of the first song, and what's it about? Uh, well, this one, uh, the working title was Na Na Na, but I, I think since we recorded it now, we'll go with, uh, uh, what should we call it? Uh, it'll be Any Place Love. There we go. All right, super. Let's do it.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. You know, Trees and Timber were one of my favorite bands I have ever had on my shows over the years. That's like both on cable TV and radio. They were special people and great musicians. Yeah, you know, they would really get my toes tapping whenever they performed on the radio show. They're on a few times when I was working on the show. They write really cool songs. Yes, they do. Okay, well, right now let's return to our conversation back then in the studio about Gerald's uh, rather strange fondness for toy ponies. Do we really have to replay that? I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, we really do. Uh, Dave, run it. Um, so where did we lead off with that My Little Pony thing of yours, Gerald? You know, I would rather not discuss this right now. I would hope you would respect my boundaries here. Why the embarrassment about enjoying a really cool show? Yeah, so you well. own a couple figurines from it. I mean, I bet a lot of older guys do. Well, okay. Maybe surf. not a lot. But hey, do you want to share just how many of those figures you do have now? And I heard it was like one of the largest collections in this area for wow. sure. Is it true you keep them all in a mini storage unit? Because how much do they like charge? That's what I wanted to ask you because I need to store a bunch of you know, my own stuff as I've run out of space in my freaking apartment. Yeah, okay. Yes, I do have an extensive collection of My Little Pony figures. <laughs> Are you happy now? This is something I would have much preferred to keep private. But no, I'm not ashamed of my appreciation of this. The underlying theme of My Little Pony <laughs> is friendship is magic. And it's something I find very moving, if you must know. It's a viewpoint the world really needs to embrace at this point in okay, time. Okay. If we want to continue as a civilized world, but it's about unconditional love. Well, why didn't you say so? Gerald, world peace is a nice goal, but no matter how much love is exchanged, these ponies are not capable of producing an actual foal. So maybe you should think twice about sharing this before it takes too high of a toll. Uh, yeah. I mean, I get it, I, okay. I guess. Can I ask, just how many figurines do you actually have in that storage unit? You, you know, for security reasons, I'd prefer not to disclose the total number, as they have considerable value to certain members of the community. That's ridiculous. Uh, what community? Well, those that also value the belief of friendship is magic. We all do share a brotherhood, and though we all obviously prefer or keep our involvement low-key, it's a special bond that all of us have together. You know, I never had that connection with my girlfriends uh, who were in My Little Pony, um, into My Little Pony when I was growing right. up. Well, uh, yeah, L like your thing with that insane clown posse? Uh, I guess. Yeah. So anyway, um... How, can I ask, Gerald, how does your wife and your kids feel about this? Are, are they cool with it? <sighs> well, until now, they were not aware of it, and I can only hope they're not listening tonight. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. So the wife would not be okay with this. Well, I suppose. I, have thought of that. I guess I'm going to find out pretty soon. Rachel is somewhat judgmental about these sorts of things. I mean, she's ridiculed my shag carpet collection for years. <laughs> So I can only imagine her reaction when hearing about this. Okay, okay. Now I, I do feel kind of bad about bringing this up. Okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. my mistake. Sorry. Gerald, you know I would love to visit your storage unit sometime. I could bring my figurines and we could have a really good old time. Uh, may maybe sometime, but... Hey, hey, man, let's just change the subject. Uh, check uh. and see if our next guest is ready to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm getting... Uh... So I have to ask now, as, as I never did follow up back then, 
What did the wife and kids have to say about your My Little Pony uh, collection? Okay. Uh, did all hell break loose once you got home? No, it did not, Spud. And I would prefer to keep that a private family matter. But but no, m- my wife was not judgmental once she found out, uh, you know, the new, well, it, 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 except about the monthly mini storage bill. That That didn't go over well. And you gave me so much crap about my own collection of really cool stuff in my apartment. Well, what a freaking hypocrite. You know, my, my concern about your collection of various items centered on the fact that your apartment is not the place to store them. Uh, besides not being sanitary, it's a real fire hazard. How could firemen ever enter your apartment if there was a blaze they had to extinguish? They would trip over all the boxes and crates and everything else. (laughs) You let me worry about putting out a fire in my apartment. I have a plan to deal with that. Have you ever heard of a super soaker? I could put out any fire in a few minutes. As I bought this really huge one that holds a few gallons of water, it was pricey, but, but it gives me a feeling of safety, so it was worth it. And, Gerald, you really have no credibility to criticize Spud and his habits when you're hoarding uh, how many My Little Ponies do you actually own? Well, as I said then, I really should not divulge that number as they are so valuable. Way more now than back then. And that's a big factor on why my wife has been supportive. She feels someday the revenue from the sales of my collection will allow us to buy a Winnebago and travel the country. So you're planning to sell those ponies? Well, listen, I I haven't made that decision yet. Maybe, maybe it's a possibility, but I'm exploring other methods to purchase that Winnebago without having to sell my collection. Well, if you do end up selling it, there must be a support group somewhere that would help you with adjusting to life without those ponies. I'm guessing other men around the world have to deal with parting with their collections, well, at some point in their lives. Yeah, I really don't think that would be necessary, Mrs. Jarvis. As I said, I am contemplating other avenues to pursue buying that motorhome. Oh, maybe like pulling a a Clarence Thomas, a Supreme Court justice who just taps his rich friends to buy him stuff like that? Yeah, you should give that some, some consideration. But anyway, let's move on to my interview with actress and talk show host Aisha Tyler. I think this was the first time she was ever on our show because, you know, she was on a few times. Uh, She was promoting that very cool animated series Archer. By the way, uh, it just finished its last season, 14, I believe, uh, on FX. It was a great show. But anyway, Dave, uh, run it. All right, please welcome actress, comedian, author, director, and talk show host Aisha Tyler. I mean, I could keep going on with the resume, but we only have so much time here. Thanks for coming on the show. (laughs) Hi, <laughs> my pleasure. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, you know, as I just stated, you're pretty darn active in the entertainment industry. I mean, I'm amazed you had a few minutes to call in. So let, let's begin with your role as Lana Kane on the very cool series Archer, now airing on FX Thursdays at 10, 9 Central. This is Season 7, correct? It is Season 7, yes. And for people who love the show, they know we've kind of, uh, we've, we're in a new location, but it's the same cast of ridiculous characters. Uh, and uh, and it's 
it's been it's going to be an amazing season. It's such a funny season, and lots of amazing things happen. It's uh, it's it's a killer one. Awesome. Well, you know, your character is pretty unique for TV, a badass woman who can take on anybody, you know, but the social life's a bit lacking due to the new kid. Are babies that much of a buzzkill? I, I don't know. I don't have a kid. I'm just, just curious. Uh, neither do I. Um, uh, <laughs> however, um, uh, she doesn't seem to be letting, allowing it to keep her uh, in, in the house at all. I mean, she's you know, the, the, she's a cartoon baby, so she's probably a little bit more low maintenance than regular babies anyway. Uh, right. And yeah, you'll you'll see Lana in the future. I mean, when she was pregnant, she was like running through like a live fire field in, in a South American banana republic. So yeah, she hasn't she hasn't allowed it to keep her at home for one minute. Well, I might want to give my editorial comment here. Lana would be hot even if she had a dozen Rugrats. I mean, I'm no anime uh, perver. I'm just saying. I just wanted to throw that out. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yeah, she's, she's pretty hot. She's, she's, I, 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 won't, I won't deny that. She's, she's a looker. All right. Well, you're a co-host on The Talk, airing each uh, weekday on CBS. So you've, you've also in the past hosted other talk shows by yourself. So I was curious if it was a big adjustment in sharing the mic. It's tough for me to give a few words to my co-host. I'm very territorial. I'm keeping him out of this thing. But yeah, how, how is that from being a host to, to a co-host with multiple people with you? Oh, you know, we, look, the, the chemistry we have on this show is, is real. And, and we, you know, you really can't manufacture it. And I think that's why the show works, but it's also why it's so easy to share the mic. I mean, we just get along very well. We like each other. It's an easy place to work. The dynamic is easy. And I'm lucky, at least personally, and actually all of us are, all the women on this show have a million other things going on in their lives, stand-up careers, other businesses. They're managing world tours for international, you know, hit bands. So I feel like when we come here, no one really needs to dominate the spotlight. No one needs to hold on to the mic because we all have such kind of complex lives and lots of ways in which we're satisfied creatively. Right. And we like talking to each other. So, you know, we like for us, I think it's a real conversation. We're not all just like waiting to get our piece in. I think we're talking to each other. And so it's easy. This is probably, of all of the, the four series that I'm on, the the easiest job that I have. And I don't mean to be glib. It's just the most fun to come to. You just get to be yourself. Uh, tell a couple of jokes. We hang out. We have sometimes we have cocktails, and then we go home. It's a great. It's a great time. We all never right. drive truck, but I'm hoping my co-host isn't listening to that right now. But all right. Well, so so you're you're a recurring character on the CBS drama Criminal Minds, playing uh, a forensic psychologist. Have you picked up any skills doing that gig that are useful in life? Like you know, maybe <laughs> drop a few impressive words at a cocktail party or something. Uh, no, <laughs> um, this is probably like the fourth or fifth kind of like government. You know, I, I was on I was on the original CSI and right. CSI Miami and Twenty Four, yeah. uh, and then Serious Call Thirteen, where I played a CIA agent. So um, it's not really. I mean, you know, it, I love these procedurals. You know, people were like, "Oh, do you get frustrated? Do you feel like you're typecast?" I'm like, "Am I frustrated that I'm typecast as a smart person?" No, I do not feel <laughs> I do not feel typecast. Um, but, you know, I think the main thing that's been really cool at Criminal Minds this season is uh, just, you know, joining a show in its 11th year, and I was only supposed to do six episodes, and just having such a great connection with the cast and, and the writers and everybody on that show, and getting to stay, and then getting to be a badass. I get to go in the field and wear, you know, bulletproof vest and yeah. fake, fake arrest bad guys, fake arrest fake bad guys. You know, it's been, it's been a really good time. I haven't, I haven't really used any of my profile of skills in my real life but you know what i should try to do that i should think about how that might work yeah that'd be kind of cool in the, in the private time absolutely uh, spotify may interrupt what um aisha i will be right back
Of course. Well, I sensed maybe you wanted me to jump in here while you were interviewing Aisha, as you seemed to hit a wall. You know, I could buy you some time for you to regroup and maybe come up with some better questions. What's wrong with my questions? Who made you the talk show judge and jury here? Well, I don't want to sound overly critical, but it seems to me Aisha finds you to be a bit, uh, facile, if you will. Facile? Is that good? I... I need to Google that, I think. I think the answer would be no, but I'm sure she's used to being interviewed by superficial radio Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying I'm superficial? I am so not superficial. Well, I am one of the most non-superficial people I know. Hey, I read The Economist almost, well, not every week, but whenever it comes out. Well, scanning a periodical at the doctor's office does not make you well-read or deep, Spud. Hey, just back off, all right? I think Aisha likes me, so just keep your opinions to yourself. Well, you're also very active in the community working with nonprofit organizations such as Planned Parenthood, the agency that provides cancer screening, prenatal and STD testing, in addition to reproductive counseling. So here's my question. How weird is it for you to hear the narrative put forth by Republican lawmakers, i.e. rich old white dudes, that it must now be defunded and shut down? Does How does that make you feel? Oh, it's just, you know, honestly, it's a bummer. And I think it just shows how out of touch that group of people is with how normal Americans really live their lives and, and what their needs are and what, what their rights are. You know, when I was growing up, I came, I came from a working class family. Uh, my father worked construction. Sometimes he didn't have a job between construction jobs. I used Planned Parenthood for my basic medical care, and that's how most people use it. Two percent of what they do goes to uh, to abortions, and then ninety-eight percent of it is like mammograms and health screenings and basic, basic medical services for poor people that don't have any other access to medical care. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just they're out of touch. But I, I think the majority of people, male and female, in this country understand that and uh, are forward-thinking and progressive and thoughtful and uh, no matter what side of the political spectrum they're on and don't want to go back to the time when women didn't have access to this stuff because we all know if you have a healthy woman at the head of a household, you have a healthy family. And if you have the opportunity to plan your own destiny, when you're going to have kids, how you're going to have kids, that is the first step out of poverty for any for any person, any woman or man, is being able to decide whether they're going to have a family. So these guys are just out of touch, but... Um, you know, there's always, the world is just shot through with douchebags. They can't get away from them. They're everywhere. Wow, that's a, that's a decent way to end this thing. So, all right. And I want to thank you very much for spending a few moments with us. Oh, it was a joy. Thanks for having me. All right, Miss Aisha Tyler. You know, I, I would really like a do-over or a new interview with Aisha, as we now know the Supreme Court's right-wing douchebags later took away a woman's right to determine her own reproductive health care needs by overruling Roe versus Wade, you know, which was settled case law until it suddenly wasn't. Uh, I would love to hear her feelings on this matter. Yeah, you know, it was the right decision, Spud. I'm sure Aisha would now agree with the court correcting that mistaken law that let women decide for themselves what they can and can't do with their body. Uh, that decision resides with those who know better, like our highly respected Supreme Court, especially the current one. What a great bunch of judges. Gerald, you have to be out of your mind. Oh, okay, I guess that is a known fact, but you just don't get it. Women and women alone have to make all decisions that concern their health and reproductive needs. No court in this country is forcing men to slip on a condom before engaging in sexual activity. They leave men alone. Women will not stand for this decision. Just give it some time.
And mark my words, a lot of political and judicial careers will be ending soon as a result of that horrible decision. Yeah, what Dorothy said. Okay, well, I, I guess we will have to agree to disagree, Mrs. Jarvis. I, I think you feminists sure seem to be overreacting here. The law change was done uh, to, to you and other women in their best interests. You need to trust those who make these decisions. Oh, brother. Dude, you're digging a really deep hole here. Well, if no. my aunt doesn't kick you in the nuts sometime soon, I'm thinking some random female listener might be egging your house tonight. You know, if they can ever figure out where you live, you know. So just zip it on this topic. Well, let's let's move on to the last interview on the My Little Pony episode. It was with one of my favorite people, actor, comedian, author, and artist, Mr. Judah Friedlander. Dave hit it. All right, please welcome back to the show, comedian, actor, author, illustrator, and world champion, Judah Friedlander. Good to speak with you again, man. Hey, it's always good to speak with you. Absolutely, yeah, uh, thank you. Yeah, so, yeah, I got a, uh, well, I wouldn't say it's my show. I play a character on it, and it's just my voice, because it's an animated show. But right. uh, it's called Border Town, and it's from some writers and producers who did Family Guy, and the character I play is sort of like a Beavis and Butthead rolled into one, and uh, it's uh, it takes place. It's sort of like a modern day kind of like Archie Bunker kind of show because it takes place in a town called Mexifornia, yeah. which is right on the Mexico-California border, and uh, so there's a lot of you know Mexican. Uh, that white non-Mexican tension and stuff like that, and so it's it's kind of a satire on on uh, those kinds of uh, you know racial tensions and stuff like that. Wow. So it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah. Um. You, you so you play uh, Sanford Buckwald, the son of Hank Azaria's uh, character Bud uh, Buckwald, uh, correct? Yeah, my character kind of looks like uh, a teenage uh, kid rock. And my character is always, even though he looks like a teenager, he's probably like 26, still living at home, always inebriated on some kind of substance, illegal or non-illegal. Pardon me, Spud. Uh, what? I hope you're not illegal. going to resort to drug humor look, here. Look, I think Cheech Marin and Tommy Chong have already established that pot jokes are sort of funny. You need to loosen up a bit. It is legal here in the state we reside in. And, uh, have you read the newspapers in the last few years? I had heard that marijuana was now available on the streets, yes. I think it's been available for many decades, you know. It's just now that the government gets a piece of the action. Well, I just hope marijuana will not bring about the destruction of society as we have known it. Um, Spud, have you ever tried to speak to someone who's on that stuff? Well, I know not funny stuff can sound real funny while partaking in that substance. It's an unfair advantage, really, for comedians, sort of like excessive pine tar on bats or a pitcher loading up a ball with Vaseline. Well, I sure hope our listeners do not fool around with it, as we do not want to be associated with that whole scene. All right, I will have our interns post something on our website demanding any listener of this show needs to submit a UA to a designated lab to verify they are not marijuana addicts. Would that make you feel better? Well, that's probably a bit excessive, but... But yeah, it would be a step in the right direction. Thanks. Just let me get back to Judah, okay? I have things I want to talk about. Oh. Hey, uh, lost you for a second, but I'm back. Sorry about that. Yep. Well, the show's executive producer is Seth McFarland. Does he ever, like, pull a Lorne Michaels and maybe do a few cameos? Uh, maybe a Torch song or two or something? I don't know. 
you know, I've never met him, so in that way he had some similarities to Lauren Michael. All right, all right, there you go. <laughs> I, I, uh, I uh, no, I've actually met Lauren Michaels a couple times, but but on Thirty Rock, Lauren Michaels was hardly ever there. Um, you know, Saturday Night Live is where he's mostly at, and Seth MacFarlane. Now, most of the cast and all the writers are in L.A. for Border Town. I'm in New York, so I don't see that many of the people anyways. So I get the feeling he's not he's not very hands-on on the show, but I could be wrong. All but, right, all right. Um, I, I had never met him, yeah. Well, let, let me. You got a couple other things going on. Let me get on. Let me touch on that. You have a book out this year as an illustrator. If the raindrops united, a collection of drawings and cartoons. Now, some may not be aware of this element of your skill set. Besides being a world champion stand-up, a renowned wrestling expert, and of course a karate killing machine. I mean, you wrote a, you wrote a book titled "How to Beat Up Anybody." I have to ask: Is there any art form you've not yet conquered? Uh, that's a good question, and I'm not sure if there is. And if there isn't, um, please fill me in. Uh, but yeah, the new book is, it was a passion project of mine. It, um, uh, about five years ago, I did another book called How to Beat Up Anybody, which was a right. Great instructional book. karate book. Yeah. And this yeah. one is uh, a book of cartoons, mostly single panel, like absurdist funny cartoons, but a fair amount are kind of a mix of serious and funny, basically satirical uh, political cartoons, kind of. Uh, so that's something I've been doing off and on over the years. In the past, like, two, three years, I really was doing a lot. So this is a collection of about 200 of uh, my, you know, most recent drawings. And uh, I don't know if there's any bookstores left in America. So I would say just go to Amazon to All get right. the book. All right. uh, we, we'll find it. But if you can it. find a bookstore in this country... They might have it. All right. If they don't demand it. All right. Well, hey, in 2010, you did an episode of Sesame Street. Was that a mind-blowing experience? I mean, you saw things, private Muppet things behind the scenes. How was that? It was fantastic. And uh, what was so weird is, you know, when you get the script, um, people may not know this, but when you, you get scripts, when you do a television show, the script always has a number. And the first number on it usually indicates what season they're in. So this one, it started with the number four and zero. So it was, I was on the 40th season of Sesame Street. And just wow. to see that like a TV show has been on for 40 seasons is insane. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I know it was great. I got to act with Elmo and all these other Muppets and it's just such a cool creative environment, you know. If you just did, an, you know, if you went back like one more time, that because it's on HBO, you can drop an F an F bomb from time to time because that would be groundbreaking. I, I, I guess it's a different environment now, but anyway, well, I can't let you go before we talk about your your new comedy album and movie, uh, your full length performance on stage titled "America Is the Greatest Country in the United States" coming out right now. I guess, and and I think Trump needs to check it out because he just doesn't get it that this country never stopped being fabulous, right? Yeah, well, Trump, I'm going to take issue with, with him because I think he stole the whole hat thing from me. Yes, And he yes. didn't do a good job of stealing it. His hats are red and white. That's the colors of the Canadian flag. I thought he was running for president of the United States, not Amer- uh, not Canada. And his hats are also made in China. Uh, so, 
so much for him being all about America. Yeah, well said. Nobody, I mean, I don't even know why he's touching hats because you rule from that category. But all right, last question, yeah. man, because I know you got to get going. Uh, you're a well read man of culture, so I wanted your take on something we're discussing on our show uh, right now. And the My Little Pony collectibles phenomenon. Do you have any friends into this? Because my co host, Gerald, here evidently has a massive collection of these figures. I had no idea. Should I, should I be concerned? Are you, do you know anything about this collectibles thing? I know a little bit about that. Um, and, you know, I think collecting is okay. I think, okay. you know, okay. as long as people are collecting dolls and not body parts, I, I think things are okay. All right. Well, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. All right. All right. It, it, was, uh, it was really cool that you called in again, and uh, we hope we'll speak with you again sometime soon. All right? Well, next time I'm in town, I would love to come in studio. Uh, awesome. So, and... You know, you guys, you guys have a great city. So All right, it's super. Very cool to talk to you again, Mr. Judah Friedlander. You know, I would like to belatedly thank Judah Friedlander for his astute analysis on those who do collect certain items. It's a very wholesome activity, and you, Spud, as we discussed on a prior podcast episode, are a hoarder who collects yeah. some very, very concerning items, like those, those. Uh, putrid tongues from various oh, they're petrified tongues oh well anyway <laughs> uh, how about how about that fungus collection you have that really stinks up your apartment i i mean the items you have stacked up there have little or no future resale value it, it's so different than my investment in my little pony collectibles <laughs> yes spud does collect some very strange things but you, Gerald, are in no position to judge him. Yeah, she is right. Spud is a weirdo with the crap he collects, but you're into some really freaky stuff with those little horse toys. Uh, they are ponies, Chance. I guess we're now going to play a call-in segment from this episode. Uh, at least that's what uh, the schedule says here. So anyway, Dave, run it. But they're telling me we have a call holding for you, but you know we really don't have time to speak with another celebrity tonight. Is we're about out of time here. Look, if I make it quick, I could squeeze in another call. If I don't, we would have to make small talk, really, really small talk, oh. to like fill a minute or two. So I, I don't really care who it is. Just put it through. Very, very well, caller. Go ahead. Hello, is this Bud? Uh, yep. It is it. I me. felt it incumbent on me to register a formal response to your public ridiculing of the My Little Pony community. We deserve better, and you need you need to know what a positive impact we have on society as a whole. Okay, okay, tell me more. You know, because if I'm wrong about you guys being a little twisted with the pony thing, you know, educate me. Go ahead. Well, first of all, it's Gerald, right? Y yes, that is my name. You really need to grow a pair and stand strong when this My Little Pony movement is challenged by people like Spud. Oh. No need for shame here. It was very disappointing to hear your embarrassment when confronted with your affections for, say, Fluttershy, Princess Twilight, or Rainbow Dash. Say it loud and say it proud. Friendship is magic. Say it. Friendship is magic. Come on. Well, I will say it with you. 
friendship is call, call magic. Caller, I, 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 I would rather not get involved in this conversation. Uh, Spud, do you have anything further to say before we end the call? End this call? Hey, we're just getting started, man. <laughs> so, caller, where, uh, you know, when, I guess I should say, did you first sense your attraction, you know, to the whole little My Pony thing? I mean, it didn't happen recently, did it? It's pretty much been since my late teens. You know, when I met my wife in college, we both came out to each other regarding our common interest in this movement. I cannot tell you how many hours of fun we have had over the years playing with our figures. It has been the glue that has kept our marriage going strong after 14 years. Well, do you, like, have a favorite, or do you prefer to, like, share the love equally with all the figures? I don't even know how many there are. But but let me tell you, that is a personal question to be asking. I mean, do you share such intimate choices with others so freely? Well, well, yeah, I do. Duh. I mean, I do it on the radio show each week. My life's an open book. Well, there are some things about all of our lives that would be best kept within the bedroom, you know? Oh, my wife and I keep our My Little Pony collection in our playroom. How many kids do you got, by the way? And how are they around this stuff? Uh, We don't have children, but we do have two cats and a miniature poodle. Uh, You know, we're really out of time here, Spud. You really should consider... Okay, look. Okay, caller, I I guess we do got to go, but leave your number with the interns, and I'm going to get back to you in the next couple days, because I myself am fascinated by this whole scene, all right? All right, later. Okay, so... All right, bye. Yeah, whatever. Uh, I I thought you were very disrespectful to that caller, Spud. I'm sure he felt the same way. If I was screening the calls back then, he would never have gotten on the air. He put me to sleep. Yeah, I mean, he he did take down the energy of that episode a bit. Uh, That's that's a given there. Uh, Let's just go to the closing segment of the My Little Pony episode. I think I tried to nail down the specifics of your little predilection. Let's just go with that again. Gerald, uh, Dave, roll it. Um, So before we wrap this show up, I was a little curious as to exactly how many, exactly how many of these figures do you own? I mean, if you had to pay for a storage unit, it must be a hell of a lot. Uh, Yes, I I do own a considerable number of them. Can we change the subject now, finally? Well, how much money do you think you've sunk into those little pieces of plastic? That's what I really well, want to know, too. I do know. They sell them at Toys R Us. I have bought uh, a couple for my niece last Christmas. I, I think they're made by Hasbro. Hasbro? You, you know, if you two must know, I probably have maybe 400 to 450 of them, and most of them are still in their original boxes. Yes, they are investments like baseball cards or other collectibles, but they also have an emotional connection to those of us who cherish the friendship is magic ethic within the My Little Pony experience. Yeah, so I, I did a little Googling um, on this whole little My Little Pony scene while the band was playing that second song, and I, I might as well just come out and ask you, Gerald, are you one of those bronies? Would you be where you are had there not been a sex tape? No. Well, I'll tell you. I, I, can no, we just I'm, end the show? Look, uh, your wife probably isn't listening tonight, That's, uh, but, oh, uh, well, she probably <laughs> is. Okay, I, mean, I don't know. What's a brony? Um, it's but I, I don't know if we can talk about this on the air. Are, aren't we one of the least, like at least on one terrestrial station, right? So um, it says one, here two two. that the bronies are somewhat enamored with these figures, and I mean they they really like them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Gina, I think most adults know what you're saying here. And what we fear is it could very well mean the apocalypse is near.
Okay, so I, I guess like owning 450 of them is really, really being into it. You, you know what? Yeah. I, I, I'm done with my duties for the night, so I'm heading home now, if you don't mind. Look, we still have a few seconds left. So what do you do with those ponies that are out of the boxes? Because <laughs> I mean, that must make them worthless to sell on eBay or, or whatever. What do you do with them? I have no I mean, intention of selling my collection at this point in my life, if that's what you're getting at. And now I will say goodnight to everyone. Good night. So, really? You're going to so be a spot. baby up. You're going to be a baby about it. Good night. Do you actually want to know about those bronies? Because I can tell you off air. But you might want to cut Gerald some slack on this one. Well, it's a very personal situation. Yeah, I hear you. Listen, I have my own areas of special interest, and I'm not going to lie about that. And I've shared many of them with you know our listeners over the period of time. So anyway, I maybe mean, now with maybe little pieces of plastic, you know. I, I, but I probably shouldn't be the one to cast that first stone. So on that night, I'm going to end this thing. Uh, on that note, excuse me, I'm going to end this thing. Okay. It would be nice for Gina, our prior designated lapper, to be here in the studio right now to to reflect back on this episode and, and relay to our listeners. Now, just how creeped out we all were after hearing about your little hobby, Gerald. I think I'm I'm still suffering from it, uh, uh, like a bit of PTSD, you know, just from the whole experience. Oh, nonsense. But, but no, I'll tell seriously. you. seriously. Listen, after I re-listen to the episode now, I believe it would have been much wiser for me to have walked out the very first moment you brought up this subject. Some things are not okay to discuss on the air, Spud. They're off limits. Uh, We did a talk show. I exposed every part of my life on my old cable TV show and later radio show. There are no rules in this business. Uh, I believe the viewer or listener is entitled to know everything about those who are on my show. I mean, we're not hiding international secrets that could endanger the world. You collect tiny horse toys. Is it like wrong? Yes, it is. But you won't get canceled as a human being for partaking in this activity. Jeez. Yeah, Gerald. Chill out. A lot of people do freaky things. No one will shun you for this. And if they do, that's their problem. Don't be so sensitive. Oh, you are so right, sweetie. Listening to you advice, Gerald, makes me very proud to be your soon-to-be wife. You are so wise at such a young age. Yeah, he is young, Aunt Dorothy, like really, really young. I mean, (laughs) we won't go down that road right now, but I am on the record as far as my feelings and, and lack of blessing for your upcoming nuptials. You know, talk about freaky, but, you know... It's never going to feel normal normal to me, but listen, anyway, it's just your life. Just, just move on. Yes, yes, it is. And no need to be concerned for me, Spud. Right now, I'm the happiest I've ever been. Hey, can I get a promise from everyone here that in the future, no one will bring up the topic of my collection of My Little Pony toys? <laughs> I think I've taken enough punishment. I may lay off you, but I really want to uh, book a, a real live brony. You know, sometime, I don't know when, f- for this podcast, because I think they'd be much more interesting than any celebrity guest. Now, I'm going to ask our executive producer to find me one of those guys. Yo, I don't think that would be a good idea. J- just let it be, Spud. You know I can't let anything be. I'm not wired for that. So maybe you should call in sick if we book one of those bronies. 
Uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Let me end this episode now. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be. And I mean that. God bless and ciao. The Spud Goodman Radio Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Video director, TJ Pites. On-air talent, Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, and Tom Nolan. Production assistants, Terry Tompkins and Trent Botello. Spud's Greek chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. Okay, so Spud, it's an actual like physical thing with my like like you know sexual with the ponies. Well, really, I mean, I would think there'd be a lot of chafing involved then. Um, (laughs) um, Serious, not joking. Well, all right, okay, whatever. Hey, different strokes. It's a thing. It's different strokes, right? Live and let live. Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2024, Spud Goodman Productions.